From the University of Colorado Boulder in the Rocky Mountains, this is See You at the Libraries, where information becomes knowledge through storytelling. I'm your host, Nicole eichmann Cowera, Digital Scholarship Librarian and Assistant Professor in the University Libraries and the Center for Research Data and Digital Scholarship. But beyond that, I'm a digital humanist, or someone who engages in applying open and ethical computational methods in the humanities. Because it can be complicated to define, I'm in the Northern Commons asking students what they think when they hear the phrase digital humanities. Maybe a discipline that's traditionally taught as humanities that's been digitized. You know, news, new developments online that relate to like society. Absolutely no idea what digital humanities is. These responses aren't very surprising. But that's why we're doing this. Here, let me define it for you. DH is often considered a newer field of study. According to Canon, it has roots that date back to the 1940s, and then the field of humanities computing from the 1960s. These focused on computational linguistics and text-based research. It's only since the early 2000s that it has been expanded to encompass a big tent, that's what we call it, and practiced all over the world. DH is more than a set of methods or tools. It's also a community of practice, one that values collaboration, interdisciplinarity, openness, experimentation, accessibility, and multimodality. And that can provoke change. I hope you're starting to gather that there are a lot of different flavors in DH around the world, and even locally within universities. In DH, we use a number of methods and tools to explore interdisciplinary research and public scholarship. Let's hear about them, starting with a history instructor, an English graduate student, and a science librarian. This is Dr. Vilja Holden in the history department at CU Boulder. She has seen success using the text mining approach, topic modeling, to help with her research. There's lots of aspects to defining digital humanities, obviously. What I think is really unique about the way that digital humanities has started to work at CU is that there's a real appreciation of both the digital and the humanities. So it's not just that we're training humanities people in basic technology skills, or that we're giving engineers a basic look at humanities, but rather that we're trying to find how they can be fertile together, how they can create new questions together. In research, I think what digital humanities really does for a humanities person at least, is try to encourage one to think about the different levels at which the material that you have can be analyzed. In traditional humanities, you would delve into a specific document, but then using digital methods such as topic modeling, for example, you might zoom out and look at a ton of documents and use the computer to figure out, okay, so what are the automatic documents here or automatically extracted topics in this material? For example, I've done some research on labor newspapers versus mainstream newspapers in early 20th century America and looking at the different topic distributions in those two different types of material and then building arguments on top of that. And so to build those arguments, you can't have the computer do that for you. <laughs> All the computer can do is give you one view into the material, and then you use your expertise and your knowledge about the history of that time and your ability to delve into the specific documents, delving into other materials, and using those to make sense of the topic model that you've created. Thank you, Dr. Vilja Holden, for discussing the interdisciplinary nature of your work as it relates to DH and your research. 
My name is Connie Cassidy. I'm a PhD candidate in the English department at the University of Colorado Boulder. My research focuses primarily on how women in England in the 18th and 19th centuries are building community through their writing. In particular with DH, I'm working on a chapter right now that looks at collections of biographies that women have written about each other, and I'm using network analysis to actually visualize the connections between these women. So I'll like plot into these maps the different social connections and how they show up in the text, and then use that to see sort of who our primary players are in the literary field at that time. It's important for the research that I'm doing here in two ways. One is for visualization purposes and the other is statistical. So in terms of visualization, it takes the raw words that you have in the book and makes it visible in patterns in ways that you can't pick up. Your brain doesn't think that way when you're reading a text. You're not going to necessarily keep all 400 of these women in your head as you're reading the book. So this actually puts a visual map together for you to sift through and make sense of that. Visually, super important and super helpful for noticing those patterns. In terms of statistics, though, in just three different volumes, I found over 400 separate women listed in these books, over a thousand connections between women in these three collections. And this goes directly against these ideas that we have entrenched in our education about women just didn't write as much or women didn't know each other as much. They weren't connecting. They weren't out in the public sphere as much. Or that somehow women didn't rely on each other, that this is all the men that are organizing everything for them. That's not an accurate picture of what literature was like for the average person writing in the 18th or the 19th century. And so when we think about the way that we teach, especially things that are from a long time ago that we don't have immediate access to, it's really important to get this kind of data so that we can have that underlying evidence for why we need to reshape our classes. We're experimenting at this stage of what are some different ways that we can approach our research with different kinds of questions and different kinds of tools and start to uncover real new insights into this material. That was Connie Cassidy, a PhD candidate in English using network analysis to further her understanding of DH. Now we hear about a third interdisciplinary approach, geospatial analysis. Phil White, Earth Sciences and Environment Librarian at CU Boulder, has this definition. I don't necessarily consider myself a digital humanist. I don't come from a humanities background. In terms of the work I do at CU, I tend to facilitate digital humanities works. So, for example, maybe I might be working with a history class on setting up a GIS project. You know, in that sort of setting, when folks come to me, often they don't have a background in any sort of geospatial methods or research, and so my job is to make it approachable to them. Very simple things are available, like something like an Esri story map, which is a great way for someone to tell their story digitally. And then kind of the other side of that is maybe someone comes from like a computational background and wants to work in Python or work with some really advanced web mapping applications as their end product for their stories that I help people with too. So there's kind of both ends of the spectrum and then 
points in between with regular sort of desktop software that I can help them out with. Any type of scholarship is really a form of storytelling, right? And digital humanities, I think, is a new way to tell the same sort of stories that, you know, historians and folks in the humanities have been doing the whole time with just kind of a new set of tools. I mean, I think a lot of folks identify digital humanities with tools and methods. That's one thing I help to facilitate. In the sort of three and a half years that I've been working here, doing a lot of teaching and technical help around geospatial methods, I have worked with a whole wide range of folks, you know, in the social sciences and the hard sciences and in humanities, and it is very much kind of a cross-discipline, multidiscipline, interdisciplinary thing, this digital humanities. One of my goals as a professional is to make something like like GIS more approachable and kind of less scary because it is, or at least it has this persona of being hard not to crack. And so in teaching, making it more approachable in the area of geospatial data, geospatial data is also one of those things that's kind of like everywhere and nowhere in particular at the same time. And so from a library's perspective, it's important to build a good data collection for people to use, and that's something I've been working on here too for folks that are doing this type of work. So that's why we have something like the Geo Library here at CU in the library, which is our spatial data collection. DH is another way to see the world. Sure, it's not perfect. A lack of diversity, representation, and global outlook has been called out by the community. DH prides itself on diversity and post-colonial ideals, but that still needs work. And accessibility so far hasn't meant accessibility in all terms for everyone. But together, we're working on solutions. Hey, I'm Thea Lindquist, Executive Director of the Center for Research Data and Digital Scholarship. Our center is a partnership between research computing and the university libraries. Together, we offer a range of support for data-intensive research, including the digital humanities to both the campus community and the public. From graduate courses, seminars, and workshops, CRDDS wants to help you connect. We have the expertise and the infrastructure to help you with your research. CRDDS also offers an Intro to Digital Humanities course that counts towards our Digital Humanities Graduate Certificate. To learn more, feel free to contact me at digital.humanities at colorado.edu. Claire Woodcock produced this episode. Deirdre O'Keating is our executive producer. Mark Losey is our editor. Cole Hemstreet is our sound producer. Nikhil Thapa composed our theme music. I've been your host, Nicole Eichmann-Cowera. Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to see you at the libraries. <laughs>